do we have to stay at home until the last person dies? Is self-isolation or shelter-in-place going to be with us forever? Well, it turns out there is a way to end this crisis. And we can do it today. Yes, today. My name is Dr. Terry Simpson, and this is Your Doctor's Orders. Dedicated to busting myths and spreading science virally. When people ask for more information about what we can do to open up the world, there are a few things that we need to get out of the way first. Instead of saying, we need more testing, we need a plan, a simple plan. So let's kind of go through it. I see the protests. And while I genuinely understand the people who are out there protesting, wanting to go back to work, wanting to open the economy, I feel the heroes were those nurses who stood bravely before them in their scrubs and their masks, letting them silently know that they were the ones who were going to take the hit. Here's what we need. Number one, massive screening. Now, when most people hear this, they agree and say, we need to test people with those nasal swabs, which are technically the PCR test standing for polymerase chain reaction. But this is not about those tests or even the blood antibody test. By screening, we mean asking some questions of people and taking the temperature. It turns out that screening is what we call pretty sensitive, meaning it's so sensitive that if you have COVID-19, it will reveal it about 90% of the time, which is more than that swab will. Taking a temperature and asking questions is something we can do to a lot of people quickly. And the result of those simple screenings will give us more information faster and less expensively than PCR testing. Now, we still need that polymerase chain reaction testing, and probably the best news about this came out recently where instead of swabbing the back of your nose till it reaches your throat, they found out that spitting in a cup and checking it was more effective than the swab, and that's a little bit of good news. But screening turns out to be a very early indicator of disease. So what's the screening about? Well, We ask a few simple questions about symptoms like this. Have you had a cough or unexplained body aches or a sore throat or shortness of breath or feel winded for activities that normally you would not be or chills or diarrhea or a new onset headache? If someone has those and a temperature greater than 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit, we would go to step two, which would be to isolate them and test them with either a nasal swab or spit. That polymerase chain reaction to see if they actually have that virus. Or we would ask them some more questions in a doctorly way to screen them because some people just have headaches and body aches. If you get to my age, you've got body aches. Screening should be done before going into any groups of retail establishments, workplaces, or schools. In addition, those establishments need to have hand sanitizers readily available and people wearing masks. Now, I realize there are those among you that think that this is violating some freedom by wearing a mask, but consider it courtesy. 
you'd be courteous, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you want to be courteous and think that if you had asymptomatic COVID-19 and are a super shedder, that by wearing a mask, you could greatly prevent it from infecting someone else like my 95-year-old dad, who if he got it, has a 20% risk of dying. You'd do that, wouldn't you? No matter what you think of your rights or freedoms. Other tests that are important are the blood tests that can detect antibodies against the virus. I had mine checked recently and proud to say that my tests were negative. If you get COVID-19, your body will develop antibodies against the virus, and you may have some immunity against the virus. Maybe not as much as we would like, but you'll have some. An antibody test are an important way for frontline workers, meaning people in the police department, the paramedics, the firemen, people in healthcare, to determine if they've had prior exposure. And that would be good. It kind of gives you a hall pass. Some have suggested checking for COVID-19 using that polymerase chain reaction in local sewage, which gives an early warning sign if a community is having a virus that hasn't expressed yet. There are technical issues with this, but let's be clear. If you're screening everybody, you're going to find out if you have a problem long before you check sewage. You probably have heard the term contact tracing. This is something that has been done in public health for years, since the founding of our country. Today, we predominantly use contact tracing with tuberculosis and sexually transmitted diseases. If you have and present to a physician with either TB or a sexually transmitted disease, or actually COVID-19 also, you are required by law to notify the state health department, who would then work to make sure you're getting your treatment, and then spent a fair bit of time finding those people that you have been in contact with. That's a lot of what we call shoe leather. Now, you probably have heard about contact tracing using cellular phones that allows a more rapid response, meaning that we can take the data from your phone and see where you've been and find other people you've been close to and contact those people and say, hey, come in, we want to screen you and see if you're okay. I know, big brother government. Well, most of us are so boring, nobody should really care. But wouldn't you like an alert on your cell phone that if you were in an area where a person who is now COVID-19 positive was, wouldn't you like to know so that you could get tested or isolate if you need to? And if you were positive, wouldn't you like to be able to tell the people that you were in contact with that they might need to be tested? These apps are being developed, but we can sort of do this now. But real contact tracing, like the kind that I talked about that we do now with public health departments, really requires what we call boots on the ground, meaning trained public health workers to follow up and check with everybody, make sure they're getting their medicine, make sure they're isolating and taking care of it. They want to ensure that people are self-isolated and that those that they were in contact with are checked and tested. So this means training more people. And it doesn't have to be a doctor or a nurse. This can be anybody. And from what I understand, there are plenty of people who need jobs and who'd be willing to do this. How many do we need in this nation to hire? About 300,000. Is that hard to do? Fortunately not. Decontamination of surfaces and air. Surface in workplaces need frequent decontamination especially in public places. 
We have a local grocery store where I live called Vons, and they hire people who spray and wipe down every grocery cart as it comes back to the store. That is great surface decontamination. And that's a great service from the grocery store. Thank you, Vons. In work areas, decontamination should be performed at least twice a day by the employees, followed by a good wash break, obviously. But for restaurants, this means every time a person leaves a table, the table needs to be wiped down, not just with that rag that's wiped down every other table, but real disinfectant. And on the table, those condiments, the salt, the pepper, the Tabasco sauce, the ketchup, whatever, and the menus need to be decontaminated. Now, that may mean we bring back table linens or have butcher paper for table coverings. That's all fine. But restaurants clearly need to adopt a better form of decontamination. Maybe we need those paper menus. I don't know. Air handling systems. There was some data that a lack of air exchange system in some of the apartment buildings in Wuhan led to a source of infection because the air was spread from one infected person to another. So if you're getting air filtered through your neighbor's apartment, that's got to change. Filters and scrub units along with UV lighting should be considered for air handling units in large public places and even most businesses. And finally, we need small changes in technology. If we screen, have places where people can be screened, when you go in and you answer the questions and they take your temperature and you're fine, then that person would be able to either give you a card, which would be good for that day, or alter an app on your cell phone so that as you enter different places, you can hold up your cell phone and show that you're green today. You were tested today and it's green. And so that would make it very easy to enter restaurants and allow barbershops and restaurants to be opened up, knowing that the employees are screened daily. And that also puts people to work. Let's talk about public schools. I have a nine-year-old. My wife, <laughs> my wife, like maybe many people, we're not meant to be a teacher, but we have to do it. It turns out that we should probably send our kids back to school because if we screen the kids as they go into school, that's probably one of the best indicators of disease in a community. Now, clearly, before we go back to school, all those kids should see the doctor, just like they do now. They need those well checks. And the doctor or pediatrician would either test the child or screen the child. And daily, the children would be screened by the teacher. If any child has symptoms, then that child could spit in a cup to allow early detection, followed up by isolation of the child and contact tracing. Since kids are the community barometer of disease. They can also be the early warning signs of a disease entering the community. Now, it is absolutely impossible to keep kids from one another. The idea of having kids' desks six feet apart probably will help during test time, but is silly to do at any other time. But having them tested, and then isolating and sending home those that are sick or potentially sick, is important. Hospitals and medical centers. The first quarter of 2020 had a contraction in our economy, and it turns out over half of it came from hospitals and the medical community. 
Hospitals and medical centers are safe to go to, and people should go to them. But it turns out emergency rooms have had 30% less people coming to them. Doctors' offices had had fewer patients calling or coming in with symptoms. When people come into our hospital with appendicitis, it's more likely to be ruptured, which means there are going to be many days in the hospital because they've spent a few days outside the hospital. If your county or your community is not overwhelmed, hospitals should be allowed to reopen with their elective cases, and they can be the center of testing for the community and for screening. Currently at my hospital, at both the hospitals I belong to, Everyone that enters, from the doctor to a visitor, and one hospital has a no-visitor policy, is asked about their symptoms, and a temperature is taken. And if your temperature is normal and you have no symptoms, you are given a mask and a paper, different color every day, which is good for 24 hours, that you can enter the hospital. So if you come back to the hospital, you show them your paper, and you're given a free pass. If you fall out, like you have symptoms, you're sent to the emergency room for an evaluation. And some of them are checked. We have screened hundreds of people a day going in and out of our hospitals. Nobody has fallen out, but we live in a community that doesn't have much COVID-19. So let us assume that through this method of contact tracing and screening, you're found to have COVID-19. Then you need to self-isolate. And in that case, a phone app can be placed on your phone, which would test your movements and make sure you're restricted. And if you violate from the area that house arrest you would get an immediate fine, maybe even charged to your phone. No exceptions. Wander too far off and you're taken in and put in real isolation or given one of those ankle bracelets. South Korea does that, by the way. You want to enter a new facility, you want to get out, you have to be COVID negative on your test. And for those who've been exposed to COVID and have guaranteed immunity, they get a special little hall pass. Wouldn't that be nice? Leadership. According to Eisenhower, quote, the essence of leadership is to get others to do something because they think you want it done and because they know it's worthwhile doing. That is what we're talking about. It is very difficult for people to stay home now. People are hurting. Their jobs are lost. But we can open up everything today by isolating the sick, not the healthy, by screening people, everyone, so that they can get back to work and get the economy going. This crisis was brought about by a novel virus that the world had never seen before. And it has been exacerbated by ineptitude. True leadership can lead us out of this problem. The investment in technology is minor. The ability to monitor people is universal. We can end this crisis and reopen our country if we do it smartly. If we don't do it smartly, we are going to see an epidemic of COVID-19 that will overwhelm our medical system like nothing you can imagine. So let's do this. Thank you for listening to this edition of Your Doctor's Orders. And while I am a doctor and a virologist, I am not your doctor. And you should always seek the advice of a trusted, licensed medical provider. But here's a little doctorly advice that is good for everyone. If you're sick, stay home. And if you're not sick and wandering about, please wash your hands. Please be careful. This podcast is a part of Your Doctor's Orders Network. 
and is produced and distributed by our friends at Simpler Media. My executive producer is the talented and exceedingly hand-washing producer girl from Producer Girl Productions. You can follow me for information and snarky tweets on Twitter, where I am at Dr. Terry Simpson. That's Dr. Terry Simpson. Until next time, don't drink the water, drink the scotch. Hey, Evo, this could be a new way of not going to see people. Sorry, under COVID surveillance. Yeah, that's... That's just too cheesy, man.